Welcome, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is John Hewlin, your host, and today I have the privilege of sharing with you part one of my two-part interview with Sylvie DeGiusto. Sylvie is a keynote speaker, author of The Image of Leadership, as well as Discover Your Fair Advantage. She's a boating enthusiast, a course creator, an entrepreneur, and she has worked with such amazing companies as Hilton, Bloomberg, Microsoft, U.S. Air Force, Nespresso, and more. I hope you enjoy part one. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody. My name is Sylvie Di Giusto. You hear an Austrian mother, a French father, an Italian grandfather, and a Spanish grandmother. Uh, but I'm American by choice, and I'm super thrilled that today I'm here with the one and only most fantastic uh, smart and engaging podcast ho host, John Hewlin, here on his podcast, Relationships and Revenue. And I'm so glad you are here too. Life is all about relationships and great leaders heavily invest in those relationships. On the Relationships and Revenue podcast, we talk about how to improve our most significant relationships at home so we can be better in our business relationships. We talk with experts from all over the world representing many disciplines about the best tips and strategies to become amazing people and amazing leaders. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin, as always. Thrilled to have each and every one of you with us today. And as you heard from that oh-so-humbling yet fantastic introduction, I have the one and only Sylvie DeGiusto with me today. Sylvie, how are you? Thank you very much. I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Oh, I'm doing much better than I deserve. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what you deserve, John. <laughs> that is an entirely different episode of the podcast. So. <laughs> yeah. But folks, Sylvie is an amazing person. Oh, my goodness. When I started looking into who Sylvie is and all the things that she does right now. Now, folks, to say that she's a keynote speaker is kind of like, kind of like saying, you know, the sky is blue, grass is green. It's just kind of obvious that that's what she is. But she has such a presence, commands such attention when she's on stage. Uh, I'm going to put links in the show notes to some of the talks that she's done. You guys have to check out some of those talks because they are amazing. Oh, but you. in addition to being a keynote speaker, Sylvie's also an author. Now, to date, you've written two or two three books. Well, well, let's say two and a half. There is always this book that you write that you don't want anybody to know about, but two uh, <laughs> official ones. And this That's is right. the latest one, Fear yes. Advantage. I'm super proud. I just released that. And then mm. it was also the reason we reconnected on social media. So I'm so honored and humbled and glad to be with you. Mm. That's right. So folks, she has uh, the one she just mentioned on there, Discover Your Fair Advantage. Leverage your unique selling points and human potential for work, business, and life. She has another one, the image of leadership. It's back behind her. The blue one is right here. For those of you who, who are watching this and not listening, I realize if you're listening, it's a little challenging to see that, but you'll get it. The image of leadership, 
how leaders package themselves to stand out for the right reasons. Uh, in addition to being an author, Sylvie is a course creator. Oh, my goodness. She is, from the research I did, a boating enthusiast. Yes, yes. I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, certainly a world traveler, no doubt about that. And you've worked with such amazing companies, and this is just a drop in the bucket. Hilton, Bloomberg, Microsoft, Nespresso, the United States Air Force, holy cow, and more. So, wow, Sylvie, you've done so much and continue to do so many amazing things when you're out there. Take us back a little bit, though, because I think in order for us to appreciate the work you're doing now, we need to know a little bit more about who you used to be mm -hmm. and how you've developed over time. So how did you get your start and what led you to where you are today? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go all the way back, all the way back when I was five years old, John. Ooh, here we go. Uh, and my brother, who happens to be 10 years older than I am, told me back then when I was around five, it was the first time that he heard me say the following. When other people ask you in that age, what do you want to be when you are grown up? Mm. Other children said something like, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a nurse. I want to be um, a firefighter. I want to be a police officer. And he said that he noticed for the first time that I said, I want to be an American. So nobody in our family has any idea where this comes from because we don't have a uh, U.S. origin or a story. I had never been in my entire life in the United States until I lived here. But it was certainly somehow programmed into my DNA that one day I wanted mm. to be here, that this is my home, even if I unfortunately happened to be born in a different part of the world. It was not this bad. It was France and then Austria. So I don't want to complain about this. <laughs> but long story short, I have tried everything, everything to come over here. I applied for, you know, for high schools, for colleges, for visa. When I make fun about it, I always say I dated every single American who ever crossed uh, Europe to get here, <laughs> which is not entirely true. But it took quite a while. Um, and in fact, I already gave up on that stream and I entered corporate, um, the corporate world in Europe for about 20 years. I was always involved in human resources, training and development, leadership development, and in particular when people got hired or fired and everything in between. The last 10 years of my corporate career, I built up a management academy, the top management mm. academy for the top 100 leaders in a 100,000 employee organization. And so, um, first of all, this wonderfully exposed me to top leaders and the C-suite and the problems that they have and the leaders they are looking for. And during that journey, I always found that when we hired people for these positions, during the interview, somebody entered the room. They said all the right things. They behaved exactly the mm. way we wanted them to behave. They even looked the way we wanted them to look mm. like. And then years later, I had to fire them because of a lack of performance. Mm. And I got so fascinated and frustrated at the same time thinking, why is it that sometimes we believe we know something about the person, even if there is no data or facts or figures confirming our initial opinion? And then we turn out to be totally right or even wrong. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, we had so many young and ambitious people in that organization who could have probably done their job much better. 
And I got frustrated. Why do we always hire from the outside? And why do we not find those talents within our organization? And why do they not stand out to us as potential leaders? Mm -hmm. Long story short, I started to study everything around perception, around emotional intelligence, about branding, about visibility, about standing out. Um, what are the elements? And so now to close the story, it took a very long time until the day my first daughter was born. My husband walked into the delivery room in the hospital. And the first thing he said is, I have a job offer in America. Wow. And I was kind of, uh, okay, let's go. And he was, no, 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 no. You know, the company said they're going to fly me back forth every other week. And they know you just had a baby. So settle in. And I said, no. No, I'm waiting for this <laughs> since I'm five years old. Mm. Nine days later, I was with a newborn on my lap on a United flight from Dusseldorf to Newark and wow. started a new chapter of my life that mm. brought me over here. And um, I might have been so full of hormones uh, at this point that I didn't even realize what I'm doing. But um, soon after that, I realized, oh, I just became a mom. So I took one year off work and just focused on being a mom and then decided to go back into that topic and area, but to switch sides rather than hiring speakers for that management academy, I become a speaker myself. And that's what I do today. Thank you very much for coming to my TED talk. I feel like I had a long monologue. No, I hear you, John. <laughs> oh, goodness. And folks, that's something else, you know, that I... Uh that I was uh, investigating. Now, did I see that you did a TED Talk as well? No, I did not. I did. Oh, not. my goodness. No. Well, I... Other than the mm. one I just did on your podcast, <laughs> I didn't do any other TED Talks. <laughs> okay. Well, that, hmm, that sounds like something that is going to be in Sylvie's future. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? I'm speaking it into existence. How's that? <laughs> well, Let's talk a little deeper on some of these here. Um, the speaking that you do typically is in front of or with corporations, correct? Um, yes, I have uh, three different groups or clientele. One are typical organizations, corporations, any size from a few hundred up to thousands of thousands. And typically in organizations, then I talk to their leadership teams about mm. the importance of emotional intelligence and intentional choices in leadership or in front of their sales or customer experience, customer service teams so that they better understand how their perception influences the way customers make decisions. Um, and then there are associations and like you, you know, associations are all over the place. You wouldn't even yeah. believe for what things there are associations out there. And <laughs> I love the variety of different associations I have the pleasure to speak at. Might be from uh, associations who produce something very unique to, I just spoke for the association of school bus drivers, and then you go no. into associations of um, mathematicians, and then you go into medicine, and then you go into finance. So I just love that variety. But the third one, and I'm always super honored because I only happen to be an American citizen since a year, uh, uh, government agencies. And as mm. you mentioned, I had the great pleasure to speak to the U.S. Air Force and to work with them. Or here you mm. see the Attorney General of New York and uh, some wow. other memories that I keep here. 
uh, from my work with um, government agencies. Mm. Wow. And you said it's been a year since you became a citizen? Yes. Yes, yes, December, um, well, now a little bit longer, one and a half. This is still the original flag that I keep with me here on my desktop to remind me every single day about how grateful I am that mm -hmm. this, what I said as a five-year-old actually came true. You know, I, I wish that more people felt the way that you do mm -hmm. about being citizens, ones who were born here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, you know, and as with anything that you're accustomed to for a long period of time, it's easy to forget how blessed you really are. Right. All right. We always think the green, uh, the grass is greener on the other side. But right. about just focusing on the green grass you are on right now. Well, true. And, you know, if you think the grass is greener somewhere else, that just means you need to put a little more, little more work in on the grass that you have. And you can make it green. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A topic that fascinates me, and one that I know you spend time talking about, is emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so talk to us a little bit, first of all, just so to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Can you define emotional intelligence for mm -hmm. us and then let us know why it's so important? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there are several models out there that define emotional intelligence, but to summarize all of them, basically emotional intelligence compared to intellectual intelligence is that you make, for example, decisions not based on facts, figures, and data. You make them based and driven by your own emotions, and you make them rather intelligent or not so intelligent. <laughs> and emotional intelligence covers basically how you, your emotions influence yourself, for example, in your decision-making, but also those around you. And if you can, for example, read a room and interact with others based on the emotions or the emotional clues that you see in them. I didn't want to personally go just into the general area of emotional intelligence because there are so many experts out there who cover that. So I picked a really teeny tiny aspect of it and um, I focus very much on the power of choice, making intentional choices driven by, yes, conscious decisions that you make, but also unconscious decisions that you make. And um, I established a model, a framework of modern emotional intelligence that is has more a practical, tangible approach telling you what does that actually mean? How can I bring that to life? And that is my a, B, C, D, E model mm. uh, that you might find out there. The A stands for your appearance, the way you look. What does that say about you? Your visual intelligence. The mm. B is for your behavior, the way you interact, your behavioral intelligence. The C stands for communication, your nonverbal and verbal intelligence. The D stands for your digital footprint, the way you interact intentionally or unintentionally in any digital environment. And talking about environment, the E stands for your environment, your social intelligence, the people you surround yourself and everything that is in your environment that will also impact the way you make decisions for yourself, but also others. Love that. And it's very succinct. So yes. thank you for yes. sharing that with us. If you have a little bit of German work ethic, everything has to be a structure. Everything has to be a table or a bullet point list and everything has to make yeah. sense. 
Oh, sure, sure. Now, what you may not know, my last name, Hewlin, is actually German. Ah, but then if it would be really German, German, you have to say it angry, something like Hulen. It, it's yes, <laughs> and there would probably be an umlaut. <laughs> yes, but uh, so this is the Americanized version of my last name. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's interesting the way you were describing, I would say, the various aspects of the Sylvie version yeah. of emotional intelligence. One thing came to my mind, and it's something that I only found out about a couple years ago, and it is it is a differentiation. It's not emotional intelligence, but there's something new. It's called relational intelligence. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard the phrasing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a fantastic book by Dr. Darius Daniels on the subject, yeah. um, which it certainly incorporates emotional intelligence, but it, it is different mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. in how you interact with people. Um, it's it's a fascinating read. And of course, since my podcast is Relationships and Revenue, it is something that's of interest to me. I just didn't know if that was something you'd heard of or something that you had, or the book if you'd read oh, it. But it already goes onto my shopping list right now. Making oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic read. Yeah. So now that we've talked about uh, the power of choice and how important that really is, I want to dig a little deeper into your books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so let's let's go back a little bit to the oldest one, the one that's behind yes. you there, over uh, your left shoulder. Yeah, they yeah. Mm-hmm. Clouds say there is a potato chip uh, on the cover. I see that. Yes, and uh, so the story is the following. I want you to go into a supermarket with me, okay? Mm-hmm. Walk with me through the aisles of the supermarket and end up in that aisle where they sell potato chips. Now I ask you, if I would want you to look for these salty potato chips, which color comes to your mind? Just a general, regular salty one. Again, that uh, yellowy orange color. Yeah. If I would ask you to look for the spicy ones, which color comes to mind? Oh, red. If I would ask you to look for the organic, non-fat, gluten-free, not so much fun ones, First of all, they would be in a separate part of the supermarket alone where they'd be their only chips. And there'd be a whole bunch of them because nobody's buying them. Aww. But having said that, uh, probably green is the color I would think of. Exactly. And probably all the listeners and viewers had the same thought as you. Because over the years, we have been taught to look for specific things when we, for example, look for our potato chips. And the same happens. We have specific expectations when we think of a lawyer. Uh, If we now think about the profession of a lawyer, probably fascinating fact, most people think of a man rather than a woman. Most people have somebody in their mind who wears a charcoal gray suit with a white shirt, a Bordeaux tie, and black Oxford shoes, right? So um, we, over the years, we have learned something. Our brain has been trained. And even now, if I want you to grab uh, those potato chips, there is something unique about potato chips, something you might have even not noticed that is true all over the world. And that is that every single, every single package of potato chips has a picture of potato chips on it. Interesting. Okay. And so, first of all, there is a visual cue. We don't even need to read. We put the color and the picture together and know what we buy. Mm-hmm. And second, we even buy it, even if you and I are fully aware that when we open that package, 
those potato chips in there don't look as beautifully shaped mm. and yummy and perfectly laid down as the picture. Mm. And even over the years since we know this, we still buy them again and again and again. So I could go on and on with that analogy, but that is why there is a potato chip um, at the, on the cover of the book. And the image of leadership is very much about uh, first impressions. Mm. How do we form first impressions? Why do people misjudge us? And what does our visual appearance, it's very much focused on the visual appearance part, say about us as a leader and how do people perceive us while they walk by like, uh, you know, through a supermarket at an aisle with potato chip. Interesting. Okay. So based upon what you just said, there is a perception, a general perception among people mm -hmm. that when someone says the word leader, something comes to mind immediately. A person, a, some form comes to mind. I'm, I'm curious if you've done enough research to dig into it. What is it that comes to people's mind when the word leader is said? Yeah, it depends. It depends. Okay. Over the years, I have used an app uh, in my presentations where I sourced thousands of thousands of thousands of participants. I have a database of around uh, 28,000 terms mm. I can filter that database based on the profession and industry people are in. So um, it, it really depends if you are a leader in, let's say, a very creative environment in a, um, in a media agency in Silicon Valley, or if you are a leader in a traditional environment in banking in a, some sort of conservative place or so. So there is no one-size-fits-all film uh, formula. The real art and craft is to adjust, adjust on the occasion and the environment as a leader, which doesn't mean that you can't stay true to yourself. But mm -hmm. during that research, I asked them, for example, what uh, word comes to mind when you think of your picture-perfect leader in uh, finance? Mm -hmm. Or uh, somebody who works in customer service, or somebody who works in hospitality, somebody who is a nurse, somebody who is a dentist. And so um, there are different terms that come to mind depending on the industry and position mm. you are in. But overall, successful leaders usually imprint from the very first moment on trust. Trust is a word that shows up again and again and again, mm -hmm. especially in industries where there is money or children involved. The second most common word is care, meaning that you instantly show that you care, care about the person in front of you, care about the problems um, you, you have to solve care about your customers. How do you show that instantly? Mm. And one of the more common terms is also something around excellence, you know, a high level of um, excellence. And then it, it varies. It really varies from industry to industry. Yeah, I could see how all of those would apply. Mm -hmm. um, you know, between the three, would you rank those in a certain order? Like, Typically, regardless of industry, it's like boom, boom, boom. So I, I know you mentioned the three, but is there an order that they would typically come in? Oh, yeah. It, it, it depends on sometimes trust is number five, sometimes oh, it's okay. number one. Um, but it usually, as I said, shows up quite often in industry where there is money, a lot of money or children uh, involved. Yeah. 
Um, I pick Kia, for example. Kia is one of my favorites because it's actually mm -hmm. a quite simple, there's a quite simple way to imprint that you care on others. Because mm. there is a principle that says, as a leader, the moment you take care of yourself first, people think you have the capability to take care of them too. Hmm. Okay. And so I reverse engineer that for you and repeat it. As a leader, if you don't take care of yourself first, people do not believe that you have the capability to take care of them too. Hmm. And now coming back to my uh, framework or formula, when you look into that A, B, C, D, E, what in your appearance shows by somebody instantly that you take care of yourself? What in your behavior imprints instantly the perception that you take care of yourself? What in your choice of words or your nonverbal and verbal combination? Or what in your digital footprint would tell somebody instantly that you are somebody who cares because you take care of yourself first? I could see that. Uh -huh. I could definitely see that. Yeah. In fact, I would go so far as to say that if someone is not feeling cared for, it's not possible for them to trust you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so it mm -hmm. doesn't matter if excellence is important to you. To you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Interesting. Okay. Something I've long believed, and that's, I, I'm not sure I've used the word care before, but that is, that's how I lead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I lead from the heart. I my goal is to connect with people and if they feel heard, mm -hmm. if they feel like I'm interested in them as people. Yes. I can be in a crowd of people, mm -hmm. but each person I meet, I zone out everyone else. Yeah. I focus on the one person because mm -hmm. you never know having that very brief conversation with that person what a difference that could make in that person's life because that's happened to me before mm -hmm, you're okay if that's the kind of reaction i've had to somebody that i respected enough and that person shared a little bit of time with me that's the least i could do for that person active listening is the most important part of communication it's actually not speaking it is active listening and when we speak very often as you said we make the mistake that we always try to sound interesting, <laughs> but what we actually should try is to sound interested yes. and that will help us with our active listening in conversations and in building relationships. Definitely. You know, and, and to kind of further that thought a little bit, and it took me so long to understand this, Sylvie, I don't know why, but when I learned how to not make every conversation about me and about what I wanted and the direction I wanted to go. When I shut off my desires and when I focused solely on that person in the moment, not worrying about what I was going to say in response to that, but just to be present and just to react as it happens naturally. When I started doing that, everything changed. Yeah. Everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's funny that you mentioned active listening because we have a mutual friend. Oh, do we? Wait, we wait, do. wait. If, if it's about active listening, is that the it is? Then we both are very lucky, probably, that we have the one and only Heather Younger in our family. Yes. Because she Heather has been on the show. Yes. And if you haven't grabbed her new book, oh, yes. make sure to grab it. One of my favorite books out there. Oh, my goodness. It is so good. Oh, my gosh. And she is 
an amazing human. Oh she, my gosh. She, she's she is one of my favorite people. I haven't even known her that long. And she's oh my gosh. Every time she talks, I listen. Every time. Because I I learn something from her every time. I bet. I bet. <laughs> now let's jump into your most recent book, mm -hmm. Discovering Your Fair Advantage. Yeah. I I'm intrigued by that book, first and foremost, because that book is a hit. Big time. I mean, you're getting people all. I mean, folks, if you go on social media at all, and you don't have to even go under Sylvie. <laughs> if you just put fair advantage, go on, take out your phones right now, go on Instagram right now, go in the search, hit the little, you know, magnifying glass at the bottom, type in fair advantage. You are going to see pictures and you're going to see reels and videos of people who are just loving this book. I mean, they are just gushing over mm -hmm. it. I, I bet I watched 15 videos easy of people just oh, no. just heaping praise on mm -hmm. you, Sylvie, for this book. So tell sure. us, why is this happening? Well, I'm telling you that writing this book was not easy and I didn't like it. I did not like it at all because I never had the feeling that it's good enough. So I had a first version after about a year. And then I went back and said, now there is, there is something missing. And then I went back and realized, now now I added something just to add things. So I deleted it again. It was a constant back and forth. And so it was rather, I'm not saying a pain, but until I had the feeling that now it's really good, now I can publish it. Mm -hmm. uh, it took me three years. Wow. And so when I published it, I was kind of just between us. It has to stay here on the internet. Uh, I was kind of relieved that it's out there, but mm. then something magical happened. Out of a sudden, I also noticed all the things going on out there, and I realized, oh, wow, I think I wrote a really good book because mm. people are liking it, right? I was so glad <laughs> that it out of my mind, and then it came all the way back, and I realized, oh, my God, I'm so glad that I took three years to mm. create a book I will forever be proud of. And most beautiful thing as an author where you feel like it's making a real difference. People are so, I mean, it's 461 pages. Wow. Right. Uh, you know, it's quite a challenge. Look at that thing. Yeah. And the first version was all text, text, text. And then I thought, you know, there are enough textbooks out there to read. <laughs> And so in the second version of it, I added hundreds of questions to help you go on a journey of self-discovery to mm. find out what your fear advantage is. And then in the third iteration of the book, I realized, wait, now you know your fear advantage, but you really don't know how to communicate it, how to sound like somebody who is not just bragging about themselves, <laughs> positioning. So I went back again and added hundreds of examples of how to say things that they don't sound like you brag about yourself, but you position your unique selling points in a confident yet authentic manner. And so Absol here, absolutely. And folks, it I must admit that I haven't had the opportunity to read that book yet. It's coming. I will be reading it. I'm going to cover it. Look what is laying here next to me. Oh, my gosh. Oh. You guys. And let me just tell you now. Okay. You guys know how I am. When I have people, amazing people on the show who are authors, mm -hmm. I, I make an offer to all of you. 
And I'm going to make it again here. But before I get to that, let me explain what Sylvie was showing. For those of you who are listening, she was showing a package that had my name on it. And she covered my address up, which is very kind. And I appreciate that. Um, I asked Sylvie, all right, Sylvie, how can I, how can I, and had every intention of paying for these because that's your work and you should be paid for your work. And so how can I buy these books, but get them signed by you? She's, she wasn't even home when she replied to this. She was out doing her thing. She's like, send me your address and I'll send them to you. And I'm like, what? Oh my gosh. So first of all, there's going to be links in the show notes for everybody to buy her book. So you absolutely have to be buying Sylvie's books. They're going to change your life. I know it. They're going to change all your lives. I know it. But beyond that, Sylvie doesn't know I'm going to do this. She had no idea what I'm about to do. So this is what we're going to do and get to the end of the show. The first person who takes up their phone takes a snapshot of this episode. You post it on Instagram. You have to tag Sylvie and you have to tag me. First person who does that is going to get a signed copy of either one of her books. Your choice. I will pay for them. Sylvie, I'm going to pay for them. No. I will pay for these books. No. But you're going to get a signed copy of her book on me because I think it's that important. Thank you very much. Well, um, I'm excited that you're giving this away to your listeners. You're not going to pay for it. Uh, but promise me that in some way you're going to pay it forward to, to somebody. Absolutely. Well, then what I'll do is I will buy copies of your book and give them away on my own. Good. That, That's that, what I'll do. That will I, I will buy more copies. And mm -hmm. folks, you hear me say this time and time again. Sylvie doesn't know this. Sylvie, this is a practice I should have started much sooner than I did. Started about five years ago. I am an avid reader. I read all the time. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I am an excitable reader. What I mean by that is I talk about it. I talk about what I read and I, I get yeah. very excited. I am very enthusiastic. And because I am, people get excited about it. And so mm -hmm. I would have people ask me all the time, can I borrow the book? It sounds great. And I would lend it out. Problem is that I wouldn't always get it back. Yeah. Not sure why it took so long, but one day I had an epiphany. I said, I need to start buying two books every time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One to keep and one on purpose to give away. Mm -hmm. Now, if the person keeps it forever, that's great. If they decide to pass it along, that's great too. One of the first books I ever did that with, and I happen to have it right here, um, Chip and Dan Heath. I don't know if you're familiar with those authors mm -hmm. at all. This is The Power of Moments by Chip and Dan Heath. I mm -hmm. gave this book away. This was four years ago at least. And within six months, that book had been passed seven times on three continents. Yeah. Wow. Wow, how many lives it has impacted. Exactly. And that is a fabulous book, by the way. In fact, it kind of ties into some of the stuff that you talk about, mm -hmm. about making that impact, the power of moments, uh, about creating those, about companies creating those special moments for people. Mm -hmm. And some of the examples they use in the book are just, you're like, wow. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about the books. We've talked about Fair Advantage. We've talked about the image of leadership. Let's talk about and this is a natural outgrowth of those. I mean, let's talk a little bit about branding mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. general. Um, I don't speak exclusively to entrepreneurs, but because yeah. I am one, they're my people. Mm -hmm, entrepreneurs mm -hmm. are my people. And so let's talk to them for just a minute. Let's talk, first of all, about personal branding. Why is that important? Well, you know, first of all, I came to the conclusion that I have to differentiate between personal branding and professional branding. If you have a lot of entrepreneurs in your audience, oh, how lucky you all are. 
because your personal brand or professional brand is mostly driven by you and by your dreams and desires and expectations. Not so easy for somebody who works in an organization where there are requirements around you based from the company brand, the values and goals your organizations would like to portray into the market. And so you are more limited in drafting this personal brand. And hence, I always call that one the professional brand, meaning it has nothing to do with being unprofessional or similar. Just, you know, those requirements are different and we cannot compare them. Your personal brand is the story that people tell behind your back about you. Mm. It's nothing, I mean, you can craft it, you can control it, you can use it to imprint information into others' minds, but the result of it is not what is on paper. Your personal brand is not what you think. It is what people say about you behind your back. And for uh, an entrepreneur, that could be what they say about your company, your small business brand behind your back. But also for an individual, it could be what they say about you behind your back. And they never say it to your face uh, because that's not, not how the world works, right? And so I always encourage people to at least take control of the parts of your brand that you can control because if you don't control it, somebody else will. Thanks for tuning in to part one of my interview with Sylvie DeGiusto. I hope that you guys really enjoyed it because I had a great time with her. And be prepared because part two is coming up very soon. So again, thanks for tuning in today. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.